Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name. That's Jesus's prayer here in verse uh, 11. And it's an apt one uh, for time uh, such as these. Religious persecution and intolerance is on the rise all around uh, the world. Uh, We've already prayed this evening for persecuted brothers and sisters in Somalia. Um, They live under the most intense uh, persecution. Somalia is only behind North Korea uh, in the Open Doors World Watch List of countries where uh, Christians face the worst uh, persecution. Um, It is very hard to imagine uh, what that looks like on a daily basis. Uh, But we must try and we must pray. It's a privilege, isn't it? Uh, to be able to stand alongside our brothers and sisters um, and do that. Uh, But it's not just other parts of the world uh, that we're talking about. Um, Last year, we had uh, a panel after the 5.30 uh, talking about uh, the workplace. And I was struck by the consistency of uh, some of the questions. Uh, There were questions about uh, living a a good, uh, loving witness uh, in the office or the staff room. And there were questions about sort of work-life balance as well. Uh, But I think the dominant questions were something uh, along the lines of these. How do we cling to the truth in a workplace environment which has turned against uh, biblical values and truth? Uh, What rights do we have and what responsibilities? Uh, They were and they are uh, great questions to think about. And they apply to all sorts of areas of life, don't they? Um, School, university, uh, family life, uh, with those who are not yet uh, trusting in Jesus. Uh, But they boil down to this. How do I keep safe as a Christian? How do I keep safe as a Christian? Um, After I graduated, I worked um, in a large uh, London-based public body. Um, I left over uh, 10 years ago, but even back then, I could feel the sort of temperature... Uh, rising on the, this sort of issue. Uh, so how do we keep safe in such a culture? Well, I think there are sort of two uh, main options. Uh, we can retreat or we can go deeper. Uh, we could say, oh, it's, it's all a bit extreme what Jesus calls us to, isn't it? Uh, do you remember the stuff from last term when we looked at uh, Mark 8? about following Jesus as he goes uh, to the cross. Uh, Take up your cross and follow me, he says. Uh, Pretty extreme, isn't it? Uh, So we we backpedal a little bit, um, and we keep our heads below the parapet, and things get a little bit easier and a little bit safer. Or the other option is we we go deeper. Uh, We go deeper. We put down deep roots in God's word, and we trust him uh, to do what he has said, Now, I'm not talking about uh, being more sort of confrontational, uh, calling people names and things like that. I'm talking about sticking uh, with the truth, sticking with Jesus, uh, which we know in theory is the safest place uh, to be. How do I keep safe as a Christian? Well, that's the question we're going to think about uh, now as we look at the next bit of uh, John 17. Uh, Let me remind us of uh, what's going on. Uh, It's the night before Jesus um, uh, goes to the cross, and it's just hours before he's arrested. Uh, He shared a meal with his disciples, and he's given them final instructions. And now he turns to pray. He knows the hour has come, verse 1, 
for the Father to glorify the Son. And we saw last week that that's sort of code for it's time to die so that he could bring life to many and glory to his Father. And now in verses 16 to 19, which Ari has just read for us, he turns to pray for his first disciples. Now we see that there definitely are applications for us here now, but we need to remember that this part of Jesus' prayer is first and foremost about those that he's just spent three years teaching and training, his friends, the disciples. Like almost all of the Bible, we are not the first ones in the picture. Actually, really unusually, next week in verse 20, and we'll see that we come fully into the picture uh, with those who believe through the first disciples' message. So here's uh, what we're going to do uh, tonight. Uh, we're going to ask three questions about protection, the protection that Jesus uh, prays for, which I hope will lead us to uh, see how this prayer, uh, this part of the prayer, uh, applies to us and our protection. How do we stay safe as Christians? So here are the three questions. Uh, Why does Jesus pray for protection for his first disciples? Uh, Then next, what does that protection look like? And then finally, what's the result of their protection? Okay, so here we go. Why does Jesus pray for protection for his first disciples? Um, And the answer to that is the world hates Jesus's followers. The world hates Jesus's followers. Uh, Sometimes when we pray, it can be a little bit difficult uh, to work out uh, what we're praying for, what we're actually asking uh, God to do. Uh, Not so with Jesus. Have a look at um, halfway through verse 11. It says, or Jesus says, Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe. By that name you gave me. It's simple. Uh, The Lord Jesus wants his father to protect these people, that is, to keep them safe. Verse 15, uh, we can see uh, that it's specifically from the evil one. And here's the reason, the beginning of verse 11, look at that. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world and I am coming to you. Jesus will no longer be there to do the job that he did so perfectly of protecting them. Uh, None has been lost except uh, Judas, who was never one uh, that the Lord Jesus was to give life to. So why do they need uh, protection? Why is this his prayer? Uh, Living and working in uh, central London, you often see sort of security people uh, wandering around security officers. Uh, they're there to protect uh, certain people, uh, but not everyone. Now, um, I, this may be a surprise, I don't have a personal security officer uh, protecting me, uh, but the royals do, don't they? Uh, because there are people who want the, uh, to do harm to them. Uh, why does Jesus pray uh, for the disciples to be protected? Uh, because they have an enemy. Uh, yes, uh, the evil one. Uh, But also, verse 14, the world. The world hates them. And why does the world hate them? Because they're like their master. You see, the world in John's gospel 
Uh, it's not just a sort of another word for the earth, uh, the planet on which we live. Uh, it means so much more than that. Uh, it's all those who are opposed uh, to God and his son. Uh, back in chapter one, uh, speaking of uh, Jesus, John says this, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. The world did not accept the Lord Jesus. And then in uh, chapter 7, Jesus says to his brothers, the world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that its works are evil. In chapter 12, he says this about his coming death. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And then later in the same chapter, I have come into this world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Or immediately before uh, the chapter that we've just read, right at the top of uh, the page, he says this, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. The world is dark, needing light. Its works are evil and will be judged. It hates Jesus, but he will overcome it. This is why Jesus prays for protection for his disciples. He, the victor, the one who has overcome the world, he won't be with them any longer. And so they need protection. But they, they are still in the world, aren't they? Now, we're one step on uh, from the disciples, as uh, we've said already. And this is not Jesus praying for us um, now. Uh, we'll see shortly how this protection sort of works out uh, for us. But it's worth saying, as it was for Jesus and as it was for his first disciples, uh, so it will be for us if we are following him. Now, I'm not saying that um, every person who is not uh, a Christian uh, will sort of violently oppose us uh, or uh, cannot love us. That is not what Jesus means. Uh, rather, it's an opposition uh, to the things that we were talking about last week, for example, uh, when we seek to bring Jesus' glory by introducing others to the only true God. Now, there are obvious places, aren't there, where uh, the Bible's teaching about ethical questions are at odds with our society's direction of travel. Um, and I'm not just talking about sort of issues around sexuality and gender. Uh, but even just our lifestyles of finding joy in Jesus, as verse 17, uh, verse 13 says, and not in this world, that should mark us out as different. They, we need protection because the world hates Jesus's followers. So what does that protection uh, look like? That's our second question. And here's our second answer. Uh, protection is in God's name and likeness. Protection is in God's name and likeness. That Jesus is uh, going away and that his disciples will need protection. They're not sort of bolts uh, from the blue. He's been preparing them uh, for this for a long time. And it's a major theme of uh, the chapters just before, uh, the, uh, chapters 14 to 16. Um, and in those chapters as well, we get a lot about the world hating Jesus' followers, because it hated him first. 
In those chapters, Jesus emphasizes uh, that he won't leave them on their own uh, because he's going to send the Holy Spirit to them. Um, Now, here in chapter 17, he sort of prays for an associated uh, protection. It's a bit of sort of a a conundrum. Um, If he's praying for uh, physical protection here, uh, then we know that didn't happen. Uh, lots of uh, those he was pre- those that he was praying for, his first disciples, they died violent deaths at the hands of their persecutors. If Jesus means that sort of protection, uh, then this would be an example of his prayer not working. So let's see what we think he's actually praying for. Have a look at verse 11 again. He prays for his father to protect them by the power of his name or in his name. That's the name which, verse 6, he had revealed to them. Now, God's name is not just uh, like my name uh, to tell me apart from other people. Um, And it's not a a magic spell, as if saying his name a lot uh, will protect them. No, God's name is his character and his person. It is who he is and what he is like. Uh, Kostenberger says this, his name enshrines who God is in his character and his essential nature. That is why it's powerful. It's a name that the Father has given to Jesus, verse 11 and verse 12. In the Old Testament, uh, we hear a lot about God's name. Uh, It's said to dwell in his temple. And the knowledge of God's name is a sign that we're trusting in him. The idea here is that uh, he is protecting them by keeping them in his name, by keeping them faithful to his name. And the goal is the end of verse 11, so that we might be one as Jesus and the Father are one. We'll talk a lot more about that uh, next week. But it boils down to this. It is to be like God. Uh, You get the same word uh, for as or just as in verse 14, verse 16, and verse 18. The point is there's to be a sort of intimate connection between what God is like and what we're like. Jesus is praying that their protection would be in God's name and his likeness. And that explains two potential puzzles, I think. Why does Jesus call God his holy father in verse 11? The only time he uses that phrase in the whole of John's gospel. And why does he switch from praying uh, for protection to verse 17, saying, sanctify them by the truth? Well, it's because sanctify means uh, to make holy. Um, I think it's a little bit sad that there is no word holify, as that would make it a little bit easier uh, to follow. I want to invent that word, uh, but I'm not allowed to. Uh, Jesus wants them uh, to be holy like his father is holy. It is by growing in holiness that they will be protected in God's name and likeness. By being holy, being like him, They will be set apart for him, faithful to his name, so that they can keep going in the face of the world's hatred. And that can only happen 
through the power of Jesus sanctifying himself, as verse 19 puts it. That is showing his full devotion, his kind of set-apartness as he dies on the cross. Now, I wonder uh, if at this point the disciples felt like someone who's gone in uh, to the mechanics uh, with a chip in the window, only to be told that actually what they need is a new uh, gearbox, not a new windscreen. They weren't expecting it uh, at all. Um, If I were them, I would have sort of expected that uh, Jesus would say, take them out of the world. That's a really good way of uh, protecting them. Uh, But verse 15, that's explicitly not what he prays for. His prayer in many ways is bigger. He wants transformation and holiness. Now, again, we are one step uh, on uh, from these first disciples, and we'll see in our final uh, point what their protection means uh, for us. But again, it's worth pausing for a moment uh, to ask, do I take my holiness seriously enough? Jesus sanctified himself for it. He thinks that it is the thing that his first disciples really needed in a hostile world. Do I realize that my holiness is connected with God's name and likeness, his character? Or am I just leaving myself open uh, to attacks from the evil one and sort of forfeiting the chance of great joy in Jesus? It's one for us uh, to ponder as we ask our last question. What's the result of their protection? It's this. It's that we're people of the word, not the world. There's a theme in our verses that we haven't picked up on uh, yet. It's there first in verses uh, 6 to 8. Let me read just verse 6. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me and they have obeyed your word. As we've said, uh, Jesus is uh, speaking about, he's praying about his first disciples who've spent years uh, following him, being taught by him. And Jesus says that as he was doing that, he was revealing God's name to them, who God is and what he's like. The process is something like this. They were the fathers. Uh, The father gave them to the son. um, And they, end of verse six, obeyed the father's word. And that happened, verses uh, 7 and 8, as they came to know or accepted or believed that the words that Jesus gave them were God's own words. Verse 14, the Father's word is also why the disciples were hated. And in verses 17 to 19, it is the means by which they were sanctified in the truth. I don't think it's any uh, coincidence that on the same evening, Jesus uh, says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. God's word in the person of his son is the reason these first disciples need protection. But it is also the instrument through which God, by the power of his spirit, answers Jesus's prayer for their protection. As they dwelt in the truth of 
Jesus revealing uh, God's glory, his greatness to them, they were protected. And so verse 18, they're sent into the world, a world they're not part of, but they would not be taken out of, which is the paradox of the world in John's gospel. Uh, It is the global attitude of rejection and hatred that we spoke about in our uh, first point. But it's also the world that God, Jesus, came to save. John 3, verse uh, 16 again. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Or in chapter 4, we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. Or in chapter 8, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus came into this world, a world full of darkness, full of people like us, who have turned our backs on him and tried to snuff out his light. The bit we'll look at at next week says that Jesus wants the world to believe in him and even to know his love. Jesus prays for their protection so that we might know him and have life. In God's purposes, without these first disciples being sent out into the world with his word, we would not be here. They were sanctified. They remained faithful. They were kept safe so that we might have God's word. Verse 20, it is by their message that we believe. Just think for a moment of the chain of people who passed on the gospel to the wonderful person or people who passed the gospel on uh, to you. That chain goes all the way back here. And we must praise God uh, for it. Jesus was praying for it. So maybe the, uh, the first application of this uh, prayer is to praise God that he answered it uh, wonderfully in some of our uh, songs tonight, uh, including the last one that we'll sing. Uh, they help us to do that. We speak words uh, that praise God for that. So please, in a few moments' time, do uh, join in in heart and in voice uh, to do that. But there is another application. Is this how we think that we will be safe? Uh, By sticking with his word and investing time in it. In a hostile world, will we retreat or will we go deeper? I think the real danger is not that the world hates us. In some ways, I think it is that the world doesn't hate us enough. I say again, this is not a a call for sort of confrontation. But do we see that the safest place in the whole world is to remain in his word, to remain faithful to the name revealed in his word? And if we're convinced of that in theory on a Sunday night, um, are we doing that in practice? Uh, When I turn up on a a Sunday or I sit down uh, midweek at my life group, Do I think, yes, I get to read God's word now. This is the way that God is going to keep me safe this week in Jesus. Is that what we think? 
Uh, it is great to be part of a life group to get to know uh, other people. It is uh, great um, to pray with them. Do we value the Bible bit of our life groups as much as we ought? Uh, from the privilege of uh, leading roots, I know uh, many do. Uh, and I praise God for you, but it's still a question worth asking. Do I value the Bible bit as much as I ought? Jesus prays for uh, the protection of his first disciples because the world hates Jesus' followers. He prays for protection that is in God's name and likeness so that we might be people of the word, but not the world. To close, let me uh, read uh, some verses of a hymn by one of the great hymn writers of the 18th century, uh, William Cooper. The Spirit breathes upon the word and brings the truth to sight. Precepts and promises afford a sanctifying light. A glory gilds the sacred page, majestic like the sun. It gives a light to every age. It gives but borrows none. The hand that gave it still supplies the gracious light and heat. His truth upon the nations rise. They rise but never set. Let everlasting thanks be thine for such a bright display as makes a world of darkness shine with beams of heavenly day. My soul rejoices to pursue the steps of him I love till glory break upon my view in brighter worlds above. Let's pray for that to be our heart desire. Our Father, please may it be so that our soul rejoices to pursue the steps of him that we love. We pray that we would see how wonderful your word is in that it reveals you. Please give us that delight this week. In Jesus' name, amen.